Welcome to the Super Expander Podcast. My name is Corrine Phelps, your host. I'm a business and growth coach, money mindset expert, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. My journey has taken me all over from working in finance to owning a boutique fitness studio. I found myself burnt out, miserable, and questioning everything. Saying things to myself like, there's got to be more to life than this. Refusing to settle for a mediocre existence, I went all in, learning how to harness untapped potential and rewire the subconscious mind to create an extraordinary life. The last 10 years have been a crash course in self-love, building a business, creating community, building wealth, and doing what it takes to just freaking go for it. My mission is to help you align to your purpose, Rewire your subconscious to support your big dreams and vision and create a life that you're absolutely obsessed with. So sit back, tune in, and prepare to expand. Hello, hello, super expanders. How are you, my loves? How are you? I am sitting here talking to you on my bed, cuddled up with my sweet, sweet dog, Lila, and I'm so, so excited to dive into our conversation right now. So sometimes you just have to sit and podcast in bed. (laughs) It was so cold down in, in my basement. I was just like, I can't. And I, I wanted, I wanted to chat with you. I wanted to share today's episode. I wanted to have a conversation with you. I feel like it's such a, a juicy, juicy topic. So by now, you know that I am fully obsessed with the subconscious mind, fully obsessed with wealth, building wealth and, and part of wealth. Cause I also, I fully believe that wealth has way more to do than with just the dollars in your bank account and in your investment and your net worth and all of that wealth is a, a really deep term. But I wanted to talk to you today about love and money and how it is actually a direct correlation, a direct predictor of, of wealth, love and your ability and capacity to love are actually very intertwined. So I'm I'm fully obsessed with healing and relationships and and building building wealth and so I've been reading I recently was reading a book the psychology of money which kind of made me dive down this this wormhole or rabbit hole on on the internet just kind of reading over some things and I discovered this 79 year study that was conducted by Harvard, which def, which basically the end result, the end of the, of the, of the study was that your capacity, your person's capacity to love and be warm in relationships was a direct predictor of wealth. It was like, mind blown. And I'm actually not sure why I was mind blown, probably because I hadn't really taken a step back to really think of it in this particular way. And then I was like, you know, it's because we're conditioned, right? So have you ever had that thought of 
that, you know, wealthy people are bad. While I don't hold that belief, it's a, it's a common belief people hold that, you know, it's a money block that people hold and it's conditioning that's carried over from, from childhood, from generation to generation, from families who were struggling financially. And there's that big gap, you know, the saying that the rich just get richer and the poor just get poorer. And there's this perception, like if you think of how Ebenezer Scrooge is portrayed, he's this like super wealthy man who's just curmudgeon and greedy and doesn't have it. He's like lonely. And so you, the way that society has conditioned us all to, to think is so you kind of think of like the uber wealthy people, um, not, not having loving, deep relationships and, and being like very lonely and greedy. But this study actually blows that out of the water completely showing that the capacity for loving strong relationships correlate to a bill, a person's ability to grow wealth. And that doesn't necessarily mean like intimate relationships, although it definitely, definitely includes them in that. And so as I was kind of pondering this, this thought and it was like, oh yeah, this, this, this really does actually make a lot of sense because you think about the things that a lot of married couples fight about, right? Is finances as at the top of those. Or if you think back to your childhood, the way your parents spoke about money, or you heard them having disagreements about money, and it can put such a strain on, on relationships and money is used as a tool oftentimes to create control and power. I know that in doing some of my own deep money work, I held a very strong belief and connection to money being power. Like if you have it, you're the one that gets to call the shots and has the power and the leverage. And it made me really start to consider the, I, the, and think of things from the the lens of attachment theory. So I'm not sure if you have ever read the book attached where they examine and talk about relationships. So we as humans all fall somewhere within this sliding scale of being anxious to avoid it. So somewhere in, in that scale, we all fall. And some people tend to be much more anxious and others are on the other side of the spectrum and lean towards avoidance. So I would sort of have the correlation to an anxious person being much more like a Labrador retriever who wants to be on your side and loving on you all of the time. An avoidant person is kind of like a cat, way more independent and can do just fine without you. So if you start to think of how those attachment styles show up in your financial life, it's kind of really, it just made me start to analyze it. So like an attached an anxious person could essentially how it might manifest and show up in their financial part of their relationship would be like 
buying expensive gifts or really expensive clothing or a new, you know, regularly buying new cars to be kind of flashy to garner attention and accolades. (laughs) Um, Doing things like, I don't know, being kind of impulsive and giving lavish gifts in hopes to gain a person's love and attention, sometimes to the detriment of their own of their own bottom line, their own bank account. And it might even show up in an investment style. I started thinking about like, how would an anxious person's investment style be? And it might be like placing money into an investment account, but getting really cagey and not being able to play the the long game. So pulling it out. And when we invest that way, we end up oftentimes losing a lot more money rather than if we could just sit tight and see the, see it the like ride out the wave. So really that kind of attachment style showing up in, in the way of like our finances could really be very detrimental to building wealth. I have a question for you. Have you joined the Super Expander free mentorship community? If not, what are you waiting for? Stop what you're doing right now and text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. Text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. I send out weekly tips and inspiration to help you grow your business, to step into your wealthiest, most highest self, to harness your full potential and live an exceptional and extraordinary life. And the best part is it's really me sending those messages. So text me, say hello, and send me your questions. And then on the flip side of that, is the avoidant type and how it might show up in their relationships. Things like being very resentful of people that they spent money on or spending money, but having strings attached. Like think about like someone who, I think we all know somebody like this too, who is like, will pay for something like a lavish vacation for somebody, but then wants to be able to have control over everything, like where you go, all the things that happen to play out or gift giving with strings attached. People with avoidant attachment styles, also, I think by that spending type of habit would further reinforce essentially creating more emotional distance. And they're already distantly, you know, distant, but by having that type of those spending patterns and habits would create this cyclical furthering of distance between their, their relationships, all based on this attachment theory. And it was like, Oh wow. The more I started to think about it, it was like, wow. And they're like a, their avoidant attachment style might show up in investments. So they're way less likely to seek outside counsel for, for financial advice. So basically taking on all of 
the responsibility for investments and that sort of thing on their own, even if it's not their zone of genius, all based and rooted in the fact that they don't trust outside support. So peeling back the layers a little bit is like, where exactly does this all begin? And the way that we express ourselves with money in our relationships and the way that we feel and think about money literally starts from, from our upbringing, from the the moment that we are born and we start to interact with the world. We start to pick up and learn from our parents, from cultural influences, from experiences. And it's directly like attached to intimacy and power and safety and protection, which then can show up in in ways of being like secrecy, like, you know, secretive and controlling there's perceptions of power and prestige or weakness and, and virtue and vice. All of these things, rejection are all tied up within, within money. So it makes so much sense that if we have a dysfunctional association with, with money, how like, and these things how catastrophic it could be in building wealth and in our relationships. So I feel like a good example of how this could play out is you have someone who was raised by a single mother who sacrificed everything to pay for the things that her child needed. And then as an adult, this, this child becomes an adult who then internalizes it and has a hard time spending money on themselves. That's like the, the money story and then how that could start to show up in your relation, relationships. So essentially misplacing guilt and then in a, in a relationship, misplacing this guilt and then potentially like hiding receipts from a spouse and lying to a spouse about purchases, lying to friends or that sort of thing, all because of the guilt of spending money on yourself and not wanting to share that. So you could see how this like could really be insidious inside of, of an actual relationship and really be a breakdown in communication and building strong, loving, loving relationships, which as we've just been talking about is a direct connection for, for building wealth. So if that's not incentive to really kind of dig in and start doing the inner work for yourself around your own personal healing and your own money blocks so that your relationships can be warm and open and, and loving. And as a byproduct, your, hopefully your, your bank account can start to grow. And I feel like the one, the one real big thing about being able to build financial stability inside of a relationship is really the power of choice that it gives you to be able to generously donate to, to, you know, charities and, and initiatives that are near and dear to your heart, whether that's, you know, helping a loved one or, um, you know, donating to, to a charity. 
being able to take vacations and to treat people that you love to like really, you know, nice things so that you can support them and help them or pay for someone's tuition. I feel like that's such a, a big thing because the more wealth that we're able to build, the more people we're able to help. So I wanted to give you a couple of questions, things that you could start to use to start to examine where your money blocks might be, your money story, and how you can use it to to just start to examine and and connect. So one powerful question I really like to ask my clients when it comes to uncovering money blocks, which really directly connect to our relationships is what did your parents directly or indirectly teach you about money? Like what were the conversations in your household around money? And another one is what were you most joyful memories around money? What were your most joyful memories and experiences with money? And then looking at the flip side, what were your most painful memories and experiences around money? And the last one is when was the last time you and your partner, your romantic partner, if you have one talked about money, how frequently do you speak about it? How transparent are you about it? These are three really juicy questions to start to, to explore. And then to take it even a little bit further, I love to think about having a conversation with money as if it was a another person. So like literally imagine money being a person. What would you say if you could have a conversation with money? What would you say? And what do you think it would say back to you? What is the sound of the voice that's coming from money? Is it like the, the sound of your parents, your grandparents, a friend, a mentor? Is it a pivotal person in your life? It's very interesting to kind of allow yourself to, to start to kind of just explore those thoughts and questions and uncover where some of these blocks might be inside of, inside of your own experiences with money and how they might be showing up in your relationships. So I'd love for you to kind of delve into that, kind of journal on that and super open to you sharing with me what you came up with. Like shoot me a DM. Uh, if you're feeling super bold, post it on Instagram and, and tag me with your takeaways from that experience. That's a a series of questions, journal prompts, um, exploration that I go through with a lot of my clients. And it's really, really a powerful experience. So we'd love to hear your takeaways on that. 
And we're just going to wrap this up in a nice little bow. We're going to land the plane here and I'll, I'll just leave you with this, these parting thoughts on, on love and money is that love and money are not at odds. They're so very intertwined. And I would like to really break down the taboo, the the stigma and shift the paradigm into a new way of thinking about love and money and, and really normalize wealth in the hands of, of people and shifting the perspective that wealthy people are good people and more money in the hands of good people will absolutely change the world. I will see you on the next episode. And until then, I love you. If you like what you heard, stop, drop, and leave a five-star review and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And as always, sharing is caring. So snap a pic and share this episode with another super expander. 